0: we're in john chapter 13 we're moving towards good friday and easter sunday and this is the thursday evening before the crucifixion of jesus christ and in the upper room he is doing the task that is usually assigned to the servants not the master the washing of the feet of the guest and that was a necessity in uh, the Middle East, as it is in some parts of the world, like um, Israel and India, from my experience today, where the roads are dusty, people wear sandals, and it's something uh, that was part of the culture. So we looked this morning at Jesus, the Lord of the towel, even though He is the Son of God, who dwelt in highest bliss, he humbled himself and became a servant. And he showed that, did he not, in his washing of the disciples' feet. And we closed this morning not just looking at the statements of the love of Jesus Christ, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, but the symbol, the symbol of the feet washing as him coming down into this world and pouring not water, but his blood upon the cross so that we can be washed. So I'll ask the question again. We sung it this morning. Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Have you been to Jesus? It's good that you are in church I'm not asking how many times you've been to church. Have you been to Jesus? Now this evening, we're going to look at us, not just the Lord of the towel, but we are the people of the towel. And we'll just take the reading from verse 10, from verse 10, John 13, verse 10. He who is bathed, This is what Jesus said, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well... For so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed, happy are you, not just if you know them, but if you do them. That's challenging, isn't it? If you do them. Are we going to be people of the towel? Now, one more thing to do with this symbol of feet washing, which has to do with us. Once we have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, as now his people, people of the towel, we need not be washed completely again. Don't you love Peter? He just goes from one extreme to the other, doesn't he? He's too humble, or should we say too proud, to let Jesus wash his feet to begin with. But when Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you don't belong to me, Peter, Peter then swings to the other extreme, and he says, Lord, all of me, then, in the Greek, It really is forceful. Incidentally, in the authorised version, which is closest to the Greek in this chapter, this is all in the present tense to make it more vivid. Uh, In our modern translations, it's in the past tense to be more grammatically correct. But the Bible isn't interested about that. It just wants to make this real to us. So Peter swings from one extreme to the other. Do you see yourself in Peter? he's a bit like christmas evans isn't he christmas evans the one-eyed preacher of wales in the 19th century poor christmas he he would read one book and it would so excite him he'd get carried away and then he'd pick another book a few weeks later and he'd go in the opposite direction now there are christians like that some are a bit more balanced but we all need to beware you don't want to be in the car when I'm driving in a mountainous area. Because instead of looking at the road ahead, I'm looking at the mountains. I'm trying to recognise them all and name them. What Jesus is saying to us here is don't swing to extremes. Keep your eyes on the road. So the two extremes we must be careful of and it does affect every one of us here, one way or the other, is we can neglect justification by faith. We have been washed. Let me read what Paul wrote. He was writing to a church that had quite serious problems They were quite immoral in some ways. Sexual immorality. They were divided. There was a competitive spirit. Do you know what church I'm referring to? The church at Corinth. And Paul writes to them and he says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are saints, set apart sanctified. Now, how can that be? These people, in terms of their lifestyle, were anything but Christian. But Paul is emphasizing our position in Christ. Once washed, washed forever. And he puts it uh, very dramatically in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, doesn't he? He says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he gives a list of unrighteous behavior. And then he says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but you have been washed. That's what it is in the original aorist. Once and forever. Now, these people weren't living the kind of Christian life that they ought to have been. But Paul still says, you're not what you were before. And even though you're not what you should be, not by far, you are still justified. You are still washed. Now, some of us need to remind ourselves of that. Um, I remember one person. uh, I was in university in Aberystwyth and one person I can't remember how many times they professed to be converted they kept on going in and out (laughs) sometimes they felt that they were saved and then they would fall and do something that they regretted and they said they weren't saved and then they went back into Christ no 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 once in him in him for ever Do you realize your position in Christ? Do you realize if God the just has punished all your sins on his only begotten Son, he would be unjust to punish you anymore? That's your legal standing. We call it union as well union with Christ. Christ is our representative. So that's one extreme. But the other extreme then is you can so emphasize that. And you had people saying this to Paul when he wrote about justification by faith. They said, all right, then, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? And Paul says, no. We've got communion with Christ as well. This is our walk with him. And this is what Jesus is saying to Peter Peter, you don't need to be washed all over again and again. Only your feet need washing. Once you've had your bath as a Christian, once you've come to Jesus Christ, once you've plunged in that fountain filled with blood and lost all your guilty stains, you don't need to be justified again and again and again. What you do need is to keep short accounts with God, and watch your walk with him, your communion. And that is washing your feet. Think of the context here. Why was there feet washing? There was feet washing because the roads were dusty. So people would be walking in the world and they would get their feet dirty. So every day they needed to have their feet washed. Think of that spiritually. The world's a dirty place, isn't it? Spiritually, morally. And it doesn't matter how Uh, holy we think we are we are going to get dirty as we live in the world and even if we were to go to a monastery we would still have to live with ourselves and we would get dirty so every day then we need to have our feet washed as it were do you understand? let the apostle John put it 1 John he puts it well In verse 9, I think, you got the different extremes dealt with here. This is John. If we say, verse 8, that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, that's something we do daily. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you have your feet washed? Maybe some of us need reminding of that because we so emphasize our position in Christ, we neglect to watch our own heart, to watch our life and to confess daily our shortcomings before the Lord. So that's one thing we need to deal with quickly before coming to The third point which I've got. So the first point was the statement of Jesus about his love this morning. Then the second is the symbol of the foot washing. And once we are washed in him, we need only have our feet washed. And then thirdly, I couldn't have this starting with the same letter S, I'm afraid. Jesus is setting us an example here. To be people of the towel. What does he say? Do you know, verse 12, what I have done to you? Do you know? Do you understand this chapter? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. Look at what he's doing. He's arguing from the greater to the lesser. If then you, a Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's a very simple way of arguing, isn't it? If this is what the master is doing, we can't be above him. If the master is stooping so low that he's willing to wash his disciples' feet, who are we to say, I can't go that low? Now, why is Jesus asking the disciples again and again, do you know what I have done? Why is he repeating the question? Do you know why? The disciples here, they, they weren't interested in having the towel. We, we can picture the scene, can't we? If you put the accounts in the other Gospels together with this, do you know what these disciples were discussing? This is on the eve of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The greatest event that the universe was about to experience... Something that had been prepared from eternity past. Something that the nation of Israel, that's what these disciples belonged to, had been uh, preparing for, for centuries after centuries. The coming Messiah, he was with them, and he was about to fulfill the crux of his work. The shadow of the cross is looming over them, and what are they talking about? Are they talking about Christ? Are they talking about the cross? They're talking about themselves. They've got a warped understanding of the glory that is to come because they're arguing about who's going to have <laughs> the top seat in the kingdom with Jesus. How sad, how pathetic that on the eve... Of the crucifixion that is what's preoccupying them how much distracted can you get and so jesus is saying to them do you really know what i'm doing do you these disciples are fighting not over the towel but over the throne I think Peter, when he blurted out, Lord, you can't wash my feet, that he broke an awkward silence. You know, you know, sometimes there there is that awkward silence, isn't there? (laughs) Nobody knows what to say these disciples they were used to feet washing they were used to going into different people's homes they were used to the servants meeting them and doing the honors in terms of what Jesus has been doing here and you can imagine them can't you going into this upper room and there they are talking about who is going to be greatest maybe they're making it sound more spiritual than it really is and when they arrive in the house there's no servant there who's going to wash their feet They can't do it. Imagine the shock. They're so shocked that no one dares say anything until Peter put his foot in it. When they see Jesus rising up, maybe they think he's going to rise up in order to uh, lay hands on us and to show who's going to be greatest. But instead... He takes off his outer garments and dons the towel, the Lord of the towel. And he takes the basin and he takes the jug of water and he fills it. And then one by one, he goes around the disciples. What a powerful example. I don't know if you've seen the film the lord of the rings this ring of power has a hold over people and it just corrupts people power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely and when the fellowship of the ring gathers in elrond's house in rivendell uh you have the great and the good of the day gathered and the ring is there and it's having a hold on them and they're all falling out with each other and then a little hobbit called Frodo Baggins stands up and he's refusing to join in the discussion and the falling out and he simply says I'll be the ring bearer multiply that by infinity here Jesus isn't interested in seats of power He's interested in serving. The son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life for ransom for many. If anyone here should have been distracted, surely it would have been the Lord Jesus knowing what was before him. And yet even with a prospect of Golgotha, he is still, he's still thinking more of others. Isn't that amazing? So what I'm trying to say here is that Jesus is telling us you've got to have the right attitude first. What attitude? Mindsets. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's worth reading uh, some of those verses again because the church in Philippi had people very much like these disciples who had selfish ambition. They were conceited, but... Paul writes to them and says, lowliness of mind is the attitude that you need. And what does that produce? It produces esteeming other people more important than ourselves. It produces in practice being more concerned about the interests of others rather than our own interests. And it all flows from an attitude of the mind of Christ. I'm sure Peter Was thinking of this event when he wrote in his letter, many, many decades later, be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. What's our attitude this evening? How do we view one another? Come to my heart, O thou wonderful love, come and abide, lifting my life till it rises above envy and falsehood and pride, seeking to be lowly and humble, a learner of thee. Do we have big views of ourselves do we want to associate with the great and the good or do we as Paul says in Romans 12 prefer to associate with the lowly and the humble that was Jesus Christ for you think of the people he called to be his disciples they weren't from the religious elites Uh, none of them were from Jerusalem they were all Galileans indeed that's what uh, the people in the book of Acts constantly said. Ah, not these Galileans, but that's God's way, choosing the weak and the nobodies in order that in our emptiness he will fill us with his Holy Spirit. Andrew Murray said humility is the only soil in which the graces of the Spirit can grow. Do we have humble hearts? Or are our hearts hard? Is it rich, loamy, humble soil? Or is it hard? Hard. Oh, may God soften our hearts. Don't we need to pray that? I I like um, Duncan Campbell. Have you you listened to Duncan Campbell? You can still hear some of his talks. And he was mightily used of God on the Isle of Lewis in the revival. Now, you would have thought for a man so powerfully used that he wouldn't associate with the normal people, but that was far from it. Duncan Campbell would often be found digging peat with the men of Lewis. Now, I know we don't dig peat, but it's... (sighs) Not having this high-mindedness, this attitude. Do we have an attitude of service that we don't see ourselves as competing with one another, but as serving one another? I quoted this morning the hymn, This Is Our God, The Servant King. And we should be like him. He calls us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. An attitude, lowliness of mind. And then that attitude leads to a lifestyle. A lifestyle, I've already alluded to it. What's our lifestyle like? Jesus was a normal person, wasn't he? I know in one sense he was unique. He was the perfect man, the God man. No one will ever be in that category. But in another sense, he lived a normal life. If you would have visited Nazareth 2,000 years ago when Jesus was growing up, I don't think you would have recognized him. He wouldn't have had a halo over his head. Washing feet. Thinking of lifestyle. Helen Rosevier, she was a missionary in the Congo. Again, mightily used of God. She saw revival in the Congo, middle of the 20th century. When she went to the Congo first, do you know what she had to do? She had to help build brick in the lime kilns she had to do a menial task of brick building and she struggled with that at first she writes about it in one of her books and she had an argument with the lord of the towel she said lord i haven't come all the way to the congo as your missionary to work in a lime kiln surely i've been called to greater things than that and the lord of the towel said no This is how you're going to serve me for the time being. You're going to build bricks. You're going to build bricks. Helen Roosevelt was learning to be a person of the towel. Serving the Lord of the towel. uh, To belong uh, to the order of the towel. Uh, Have you got that honour? I know some people have uh, Moby's and all of that, but... If, if you're serving Christ, you'll have a better order, an order of the towel. I remember Ania telling me once in Moldova about a certain person. He's a servant. He's a good servant. Isn't that a commendation? Jesus saying to somebody when they get to heaven, well done, good and faithful servants. Do you want to be a servant? Do you consider menial tasks as beyond you or do you realise that Jesus Christ has called you to serve him and even if that means stooping so low as foot washing then so be it. Now I know some churches, the Church of the Nazarene, they still have a ceremony of washing feet and uh, doesn't the Pope uh, wash people's feet um, around this time of year? This is not what the Bible is thinking about. Think of washing somebody's feet. Have you ever washed somebody's feet? I've never washed somebody's feet. But we've all got different feet, haven't we? Now that's a lesson in humility and of itself. Because one of the things that causes us to have a competitive spirit is that we all want to control one another and we all want to be the same. But to realize that we've all got different size feet, different shaped feet and some people have bunions on their feet so their feet don't look that beautiful and some people may have crow's feet and then on other people's feet there may be blemishes there may be corns there may be athlete's foot it's dirty work to wash somebody's feet it's so easy if you're washing somebody's feet for you to think if not say to the person why isn't your foot the same as mine oh i don't like that corn isn't it easy just to concentrate on the faults of people but if we're washing people's feet we're overlooking all of that and we're bringing the best out I think it was C.K. Chesterton uh, who put it. Let me read what I've got here. Uh, Wearsby quotes somebody. When I was ministering at a conference in Kenya, an African believer shared one of his proverbs with me. The chief is servant of all. And Chesterton said, C.K. Chesterton of the Father Brown books, Chesterton said that a really great man is one that makes others feel great. Isn't that true? I'm sure the Lord Jesus was the kind of person, if you went to see him, if you were broken and contrite and in need of salvation, or if you were saved and in need of wisdom, in need of strength, if you went to see Jesus, you wouldn't be going away deflated. You'd be going away feeling stronger, feeling more blessed. It was the proud and the full that he sent away, empty. May we be people that do good to others, not so pointing out their faults, but overlooking those things. We've all got blemishes then. May we overlook those things and see the good in one another and seek to bring out the good in one another. That's the kind of man Jesus was that's the kind of disciples he wanted to produce. Those of us who are in leadership myself, Andy the elders, church council we're electing new deacons in the AGM It's servant leadership that the Bible is talking about the Bible is ahead of its time there's a big big interest in servant leadership today, but the Bible was there two thousand years ahead of uh, these entrepreneurs today i find it very challenging that peter again peter peter who would swing from one extreme to the other peter who probably remembered exactly what jesus did when he washed his feet peter says this doesn't he writing to the elders shepherd the flock which is among you serving as overseers not by compulsion but willingly not for dishonest gain but eagerly not as being lords over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away servant leadership stooping stooping And Jesus says, as I come to a conclusion, blessed are you. Do you know what the word blessed means? Markarios in Greek, happy. There's a book I've got in my uh, bookshelf by Lachlan Mackenzie called The Happy Man. I want to be a happy man. Don't you want to be a happy woman, a happy child? I don't want to grow up a grumpy old man. I want to grow up to be full of the joy of the Lord. A happy Christian, a happy church. Imagine the impact that would have on this ...area of Cardiff... ...my people will say... ...those people at the Heath... ...they're a happy people... ...they've got something that we don't have... ...what is it... ...what's your secrets... ...well this is one secret... ...happy are you... ...if you do... ...not just know... ...if you do... ...if you do... Uh, ...you could take the Beatitudes... ...another list of happy... ...happy characteristics... Isn't it strange, these Beatitudes are the exact opposite of a worldly spirit. How there can be a worldly attitude, even in a sound church sometimes. You see, the world isn't a band in the front of the church. The world isn't me dressed in jeans when I'm preaching. The world isn't going to certain places. It can be that. But that's not the essence of worldliness. Worldliness is a disease, uh, just as people who had to have their feet washed got them dirty. That's the world, isn't it? In the spiritual sense, the world cakes our souls with its dirt. It's an attitude that we've got to get rid of. Yes, that attitude affects our lifestyle, and we have a worldly lifestyle. But that comes from a world view that is contrary to the Bible. And if you want to know what a worldly Toxic spirit is just reverse the beatitude. Blessed are not the poor in spirit, but the full. Blessed are those not who mourn because of their sin, but who just rejoice to do whatever they want. Blessed are not the meek, but blessed are the brash. Blessed are those not who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but who hunger and thirst for possessions. Blessed are, not the merciful, but blessed are the ones who can eat dog. Dog eat dog, that is. (laughs) Blessed are, not the pure in hearts, but blessed are the clever. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are so selfish, they don't care about how much division they cause. Happy are you if you do. What I'm doing, says Jesus. May the mind of Christ, our Saviour, live in us from day to day. What, What are we going to do as I finish? What are we going to do? Are we going to be people of the towel? Are we going to be people who are more interested in our own little agendas... In having our own little ways? In having our own little fiefdoms? Or are we going to follow our servant king? And whatever others may do, think of Jesus and the disciples. They were just talking about greatness. They didn't have a clue. Jesus showed true greatness by donning the towel and getting dirty. May we show true greatness by going a different way, by singing a different tune, marching to a different drumbeat. The drumbeat of the spirit, the tune of grace, the example of Jesus Christ. I've gone on for too long, but... I just long, I'm sure you do as well, because we do emulate these things, but oh, for more of Jesus Christ. What does the hymn say? More about Jesus would I, it's so simple, isn't it? More about Jesus would I know more of his love to others, show